You're listening to The Basics of Evangelism, a Sunday school series taught by Jeff Mardling at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Well, good morning. Keep coming in. This is great. We have lots of room. There is only 300 chairs, so come early. (laughs) I'm glad that you're with me. Um, I had a question this morning. What are we going to do? How are we going to do evangelism? What's on the table? And I hope over eight weeks, you'll, it'll, it'll come into a nice package or in a night, I'll put it, in, wrap it in a nice bow and you'll, you'll understand that. But it, could it be Romans Road, Four Spiritual Laws, uh, having conversations with people, passing tracks, knocking on doors? Could it be open air preaching? Could it be a prayer stand downtown? Could it be something out on Halloween? Or Santa Claus prayed, the answer is yes, all of the above. And I hope that this church has a passion for evangelism and preaching Christ and him crucified. So, But you will see the next um, three or four weeks, I'm, I, I, it's really imperative that I lay some foundation, some biblical truth about evangelism, uh, uh, the topic of God, the topic of humanity, the topic of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this will come, um, hopefully, at the end in your minds and in your hearts and your spirit to go and serve him and serve others uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. So today we're talking about the topic of God. I don't have a lot of time, so I want to go through this, um, but I don't want to rush through it either. So we're just going to go as the spirit leads, and I think this will be great. So the first, uh, you can see on the screen... I'll get Trev to get it up there. Uh, No. No, go to slideshow, and then from the current slide. Yep. Thanks, brother. Who is God? This is what I'm hoping to talk about today, the three topics. Who is God? What is God's plan? And then God and evangelism. Okay, so who is God? Uh, We can skip to two more, uh, Trevor. The Westminster Confession of Faith says, There is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will, for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all who sin and who will by no means clear the guilty. And I just um, wanted to point out one footnote when it says, without passions, This is not saying that God knows nothing of emotion or feeling, whether joy and delight or pain and suffering. Rather, they are saying that no one or thing may impose suffering, pain, or any sort of distress on God in such a manner that God experiences such things unwillingly. But that's the God that we serve and all of those things. So who is God? I want to go through these 10 points. Is God love? Is God just? Is God holy? He is a revelator. Sorry, he is a revelator God. Can God lie? 
We will not look at all the attributes of God. Is is God some old-looking guy up in the clouds, smoking a pipe and a house coat, trying to get people to love him? Pick up a a systematic theology book on this. Uh, It won't do it justice. Our time is limited. Uh, Trinity is not here, uh, but it is important. People assume things about God. God is love and God is forgiving. Is God more? Yes, he is. Where do they get their view of God? The Bible. What else does it say about God? God is just. God is holy. Focus on the attributes that unbelievers need to hear. God is creator. This is so important. It's a starting point. God created everything. God owns everything. If you reject this, you have a faulty view of God and dependency on God. If you reject this, something else will fill this void. Does it matter? Yes. One person said the unbeliever is poaching on crown land. To the Jews, um, they had background. They have heritage. To the Gentiles, they do not. Um, See Paul's appeal to creation in Acts 17. And uh, how when the Greeks said, I want to hear more from this man and these things that you're saying. And he starts his talk um, to the Greeks that I appeal to the God that is uh, the creator and uh, made all of the wonders of the earth. God is holy. Unlike, uh, God is unlike anything or anyone else. We cannot compare ourselves to him. People will say, well, if I were God, I would do it this way. We cannot even comprehend the magnitude and distinctiveness of God. He is uncreated. We are created. He is holy by his very being. God is so unlike us that he is perfect. People will often charge God with wrong. They make God into a man and assume the same sinfulness and decision-making that man does. God is so holy and pure, we see that in Scripture, and it says we cannot see his face and live in our sinful state. He is holy morally. We are sinful. He is sinless. The holiness of God should make us tremble. God is righteous. He's just. People love the idea that God is righteous. Why? Because people think they are righteous. Therefore, people have a self-righteous view of themselves. Really, they're not even paying attention to God. Most people do not think God is evil or wicked. Wayne Grudem wrote, God's righteousness means that God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. Righteousness is tied very much to justice and judgment. In other words, if God does not judge sin, it would be unrighteous. A crooked judge is an unrighteous judge. We will get into Romans 3.21 more a little later, but we must remember the death of Christ demonstrated the righteousness of God. Why? Because the sins were punished. Can you say that about yourself? 
If God is righteous, how does he view those who are unrighteous? What the Bible calls sinners. Let's talk about the wrath of God. Related to the holiness of God is the wrath of God. He acts in wrath, treated as common or unholy or rebel against him. People reject this. Fire, brimstone preaching, scaring someone into the kingdom. There is a place to talk about the whole context of Scripture and the whole context of God and the wrath of God. There is consequences for our actions. Not wearing a seatbelt, drinking and driving. We see it all over the planet. But we want tear-filled converts, not fear-filled converts. People need to be broken over their sin. I was reminded of Isaiah 66, verse 2. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. Listen to this. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. That whole verse is what I'm talking about this morning. Creator God, we come to him on his terms, a humbleness, a contriteness, a righteous fear of our maker and our Lord. But there's examples of God's wrath all through the Bible. Think of an Exodus 19 at Mount Sinai. Touching the mountain would bring death. Uzzah in 2 Samuel 6 Touching the ark would bring death. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts, they lied and what happened? God struck them dead. Scripture talks a lot about the wrath to come in the final day. 36 times wrath is mentioned in the New Testament and most of these are about this day. Listen, apart from Christ, all children are of wrath. We're condemned already, the Bible says. Wrath of God was on us. God will cast the wicked into hell. Hell is not, hell is not unjust, wrong, or bad. It is a demonstration of the righteousness and holy of, holiness of God. Who was hell created for? The devil and his angels, Matthew 25. The devil. Think of that. Do you ever ponder that? We shouldn't dwell on it for many periods, but perhaps think about the wickedness of the, wick, of the most wicked. The father of lies goes around seeking to kill and destroy. That the unbeliever is put in the same prison as Satan. This should show to you the holiness and how holy God is. Before I leave there, I want you to, I want you to understand, because you, you've come across, whether it's in city streets or uh, YouTube even, uh, but there's evangelism that's done very poorly and has brung a reproach, I believe, upon the name of Jesus Christ. Um, I will never lead a team or encourage you to wear a hateful shirt. 
And you've seen that. God hates whatever. You've heard possibly of the Westboro Baptist Church and how they do evangelism by condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. Jesus Christ didn't model or teach us that. There is a place to bring the sinner before a holy God. And I asked you to look through the Ten Commandments this week using God's law. God gave us creation to declare his glory and and show us that he is here. But he also gave us a conscience to know right and wrong. And there's a balance. So, when we talk about, obviously this is an attribute and a character of God. He will cast the wicked into hell. There is a wrath upon sinful man. But there is a way to proclaim it and a balance of God's law and the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. And uh, so just keep pondering and meditating on that. Next one, God is omniscient. When we see atrocities in the world, we may not understand here and now why God allows such things to happen. Did God not see that? Be compassionate and gracious to those who are suffering. We should be the most compassionate. Be slow to give an answer as to why it is happening. Know that God is good and all-knowing. Nothing surprises him. God's omniscience means perfect plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. Gives hope to those who struggle in this world as to what's happening next. How the world is spinning out of control. Can God change his mind? He's messed it up? No, he's all-knowing. No mistakes. Here's an example we like to use sometimes. Because a sinful person will always appeal to their goodness and their righteousness. But if God, if you believe that God knows everything always, could you imagine if we put a microchip behind your ear and it recorded every thought and word and action that you did this week? Well, this week, how about just yesterday? How, how about this morning? And I said, we'll put it up here on the screen for our whole church body. That's our God. Talk about fear and tremble. Talk about horrible embarrassment. Talk about shame. God is omniscient. We can convey that. We can be biblical when we talk to people, my friends. God is good and God is love. The very thing that man banks on to save them, God's goodness, is the very thing that will condemn them. Because man is not good. God does good and does good for others. Good gifts and perfect gifts presuppose good, uh, a good and perfect God. Hmm. Next one. God is truthful and faithful. This means that you can trust in God to save you if you turn to him. And he is faithful to finish a good work. He starts in you. 
Could God lie? After all, man does all the time. God is unlike man. I hope I'm conveying that through the scriptures this morning. The Bible, as our ultimate authority um, that we rest in, says God is faithful and cannot lie. God is gracious and merciful. Many of you probably have heard this, but grace is getting what you do not deserve, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. God is gracious in giving us heaven and merciful in not giving us hell. Without this, I have no hope the moment that Adam sinned. His graciousness and his mercy. So though very quickly I went through ten attributes and characters of God. Meditate on those. Think of those. What is the plan of God? We've looked at the attributes and character of God. We are going to talk about the sovereignty of God shortly. The character of God has been the, uh, the starting point. Everything in life and creation is spoken in terms of their interaction or relationship to him. When we witness for God, we need to make sure that we have a clear picture of the God we are representing. Scripture says that we are ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. An ambassador does not speak on their own authority or on behalf of themselves. They speak on behalf of the one who sent them. Therefore, we need to know who it is that sends us so that we can represent him well. Now look at the plan of God. What is God's plan? And again, when I'm putting up slides and and speaking to you, it's all in the context of evangelism and witnessing. Not uh, as impersonally for your life, uh, but what is God's plan throughout salvation history? Uh, Stay with me here, but we're going to skim through the Bible, and we're going to ask two questions. The first one, has God always planned to have a people for himself? Now, you may be thinking for the first question, well, yes, of course. I think think of the church, and, and you would be right. But my hope is that we see a big picture of God that he has always planned to call people to himself, that his people would grow and spread over the whole earth. Uh, A question that comes from the first one, has he also planned to use people to do this? This has always been the case. Why is this important? Because this is part of the sovereignty of God. God is in control. Never forget that. God, in his gracious plan, invites us in to be part of this eternal plan. Uh, We can walk away feeling or thinking strongly on the sovereignty of God, and God is in control. That God has not changed, plays halfway through uh, the game, and now says, okay, now you do it. We don't have to do that. He, He leads us through the whole scenario, the whole life, the whole encounter. Has God always planned a people for himself? Adam and his descendants were representative of God in relationship to him. They were to fill the whole earth. The Garden of Eden was supposed to expand as man, uh, with man uh, when 
about, sorry, <laughs> let me start that again. The Garden of Eden was to expand as man went about sub, uh, subduing the world, but Adam failed. Sin does not represent God well. After God wipes out the whole world except Noah and his family, God commissions Noah to do the same thing. Fill the earth, multiply it, and Noah failed. He gets drunk, he lays uncovered, and he does not represent God well. And it doesn't take much. Do you see that? Think of your own life. Don't touch this fruit. Don't get drunk and lay uncovered. It shattered everything. Something changes here with Abram. No longer tells him to go forth and multiply. God says he will do the work. He will multiply his people and fill the earth. Abram failed. Does not trust God to protect him and does not represent God well. The new heavens and earth will be made up of people who are in relationship with God as Adam was before the fall. Eden Eden will be expanded. It has always been God's plan that he would build a people for himself. This people were to be in relationship with him. Where man failed, Christ succeeded. He has saved us and he builds his church. How about the next question? Has God always planned to use his people to bring people to himself? Israel was to be the light to the nations. Israel was to proclaim God. God always thought bigger than just the people who made up Israel. We can be thankful for that today. Is it clear from the Old Testament that God's people were to be a light to the nations, the instrument God used? They were to accept Gentiles into their nation. They could be circumcised. They could not bring in their pagan practices, though, and this did not include the nations that God said they were not to do this with, okay? So there was some parameters. What about the New Testament? We live on the other side of the cross. Christ has purchased us, redeemed us, grafted us into the family as an ever-growing body of God, and the command to go and be an instrument of Christ is all over the New Testament, Is this command only for the 11 disciples before Jesus? Nope. Some people may use this uh, as to suggest that there are, no, uh, there are no commands in Scripture to share Christ. But let's look at this verse. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Did they share to all the nations? No, they didn't. You know what? You know how I know that? They died. <laughs> if Jesus is with them until the end of the age and they die before the end of the age, then it must extend to those who believe because of them. The call for disciples to make disciples. Paragraph 2. God has given evangelists to equip the saints for the ministry. Saints evangelize. That's you. That's me. Paul does not call Timothy an evangelist, 
but to do the work of an evangelist. Not just evangelists evangelize. And that's what I like to press upon you, brothers and sisters, that when you are justified by faith in Jesus Christ and being sanctified, we're called to go. As I said last week, you are going to be around a community of people that I will never see, that Pastor Dan will never be uh, around. You can do this. One thing I've always shared with people, and, and someone, someone shared this with me, but you have more, you know more about this topic than anyone you're really talking to. And I'm speaking of the unbeliever. You do. Trust the word of God. Trust what you hear week in and week out. Don't sell yourself short. Have a high bar. Paul prays for words to speak. We imitate him. We pray for words to speak. How many times have you prayed that God would give you words to proclaim the gospel? Is that part of your regular prayer time? I'm going out today, Lord. Will there be an opportunity to lift the name of Christ, to share what I believe? We need to settle this within our hearts, that God calls all believers to share the good news of the gospel. All of us. We can't put it all on Pastor Rick, nor would he want that. It's not biblical. This is our job. Go, therefore, and multiply. Should we not emulate our Savior? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's so beautiful. What a model. Let's put this all together with God in evangelism. Let me share this first. A dear brother reminded me this morning before service or Sunday school. I might know you as a pastor. I might know you as a farmer. I might know you as the guy that works at the grocery store. I've often introduced myself that I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a funeral director. <laughs> I mention that because what, what's most important to me? Who do I want to be identified with? I don't do it all the time, and I'm not saying you have to. But as you feel led, where's, where's Jesus Christ in your life today, tomorrow? An acquaintance of mine would say, I don't go to the grocery store for groceries. I go to pass out tracks, and while I'm there, I just happen to pick up a bit of food. <laughs> just different thinking, the way we prioritize our day. We studied the character of God real fast. We've studied the, God's plan, uh, briefly sovereignty of God. He, ha, uh, he is to have a people. He is to use people to do this. The gospel has eternal ramifications. Sure, your good works will reap rewards in the new heavens and earth. Part of those rewards, though, are uh, dictated on what you do with this. Do we hide the light under a basket? Or set it on a hill. Well, I said that I would revisit this. We have touched on the sovereignty of God um, 
throughout salvation history recorded in Scripture. God planned a people. God uses people as a conduit. But who saves the person? God will save some. Rest in this. May use you to do this. It's not a hopeless mission, but hope-filled. We proclaim salvation available. God makes salvation happen. Number two, do not, uh, we don't need to be perfect. Will you mess up? Yes. Me too. Lots of times. It happens. Learn from it and grow. God is sovereign over salvation. I've messed up. When I first had a burden to go out and preach Christ and Him crucified to the lost, or pass out gospel tracts, or have one-to-one conversations, I had, I, had, I had to have a brother come alongside and say, we, we need to get... We, you don't need to do this for a couple of hours. I remember we were downtown Toronto, and I thought, what a glorious place to do this. So many people. But I had in my heart that there's so many, God. I can't reach them all. I can't talk to them all. I can't get them all. And a wise brother said, Jeff, it would be an absolute another miracle if God allowed you to see his salvation work in a person's life. For the most part, you're just to be a willing vessel, faithful and obedient to the call to share Christ, to share the good news. Some sow, some water, but God brings the increase. He will save. He'll do that miracle. What a relief it was. What a relief. I'll share one more story. Several years ago, I was in the barber shop. And there was always a man sitting in there talking to the barber. And uh, the way the conversation went, it was really kindred. It was sweet. It was, it was almost spiritual. And a complete open door to springboard into the church or into God or into Jesus Christ or the cross. And I kept silent. I knew it. I mentioned where I work a minute ago. I'm a funeral director. The very next day I went to work. And that man was there. He died last night. I don't say that. Don't feel sorry. I'm not I just, that will always stay with me, and I, I want to share that with you, that we don't know. And I've, I've, done, I've done work with God. I've come to him in, in prayer. I've, I've repented. I'm still not perfect to reach everyone, nor I'm called to. But be in tune with what the Lord is asking you that very day. Who are you? Are we supposed to talk about the Blue Jays today? or gardening, or the Highgate Fair? Or is this time allotted to lift Christ and to share with someone that is lost? God can save. Why pray for God to save loved ones? Because we care about them. We shared earlier, what is the end result for those that die without Christ. It's a just wrath of God. 
It's a place in eternity where the worm never dies, the fire is not quenched, and there's gnashing of teeth. Pray, pray. I said last week, God's not wanting any to perish. He's good. He's merciful. If we thought we could make converts, we could save people, we'd pull out every trick, twinkle in the eye, charismatic smile, free stuff, anything that we could do. But God's given us a book and scriptures that we can take to heart, we can memorize, we can recall in certain moments. It's all here. It's all here. Learn this. Meditate. You'll be surprised in any conversation how God will lead you. The words to say. I really believe that. He's done that in my life. I've watched men and women do it many, 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 many times. And we get, we, we get done in an evening and we rejoice and we come together in prayer and we're like, I didn't even know where that came from. The Holy Spirit. God is alive. He's working. We're just called to be obedient and faithful. Not seeing God move doesn't mean that he's not, okay? God can save anyone. Change your attitude about that, please. And it's, it is about practice. It is about doing. You'll notice that over these weeks, it's not all methodology of how to, how to. I'll get to that. I'll incorporate it. But I really want to impress upon your hearts, this is all we need. Right here. It's unbelievable, the scripture that I've pulled out of nowhere <laughs> into a conversation. And you know what I used to think? Remember I said I hated bothering people? Or, or, or we think of, we get to use this Christianese talk or only, only words. If I quote scripture, only you know this. And they won't have a clue of what I'm talking about. God works in that. Just be faithful to, you know what? Now they think of it. Why wouldn't we just let God talk through us? That's what he's going to do later on this morning. He's going to take a fallible man saved by grace and work through him, a willing vessel. You can do that too. This is so good. (laughs) God speaks to us through the Bible. We use the Bible. What I mean is we do not worship the Bible, but we recognize that God has spoken to us through the Bible. We learn who God is through his Bible. And if God is the one who saves and deserves all the glory, we should use his Bible. Memorize it. Quote it. Refer to it. Get them to read it. They, do you see what I did? I did, I did this whole slide. I didn't even know it was coming. <laughs> they should walk away and think how great God is, not how slick Jeff was, not how slick Joanne is with her words and her eloquence of speech. I want them to remember Jesus, not me. Because God is supreme, therefore his word is supreme. God, through the Bible, is our ultimate authority. Don't validate the scriptures through other means, science, history, archaeology. The Bible is our ultimate source of truth and knowledge. The Bible needs no evidence to prove itself. It is the word of God. We don't put God on trial. He does not need a defense attorney. And a lot of people will try to corner you in that, that prove this, prove that. No, 
He's the ultimate authority. Prove he doesn't. Apologetics. We can appeal to these disciplines to build our faith or defend our faith, but they do not grant faith, okay? These disciplines force us or force in on the knowledge we have in God. So whether I speak of how someone is fearfully and wonderfully made by God, or I zoom in on the molecules to do the same, uh, that is okay. But always remember, God saves through the gospel, not these other disciplines, okay? So you can use illustrations, you can use analogies, you can appeal to these apologetics, but you want to... Uh, leave going, it's not through me. It's through God and the cross of Jesus Christ and his powerful resurrection from the grave. Um, we are been, uh, God in evangelism. Why was it important to know God is in evangelism? Okay, he is, uh, sorry, we are bombarded with man and different faith. We have this question a lot and you'll, you'll come... You'll, you'll come across this. It can be confusing uh, when we talk about uh, or use just the simple word God. But when we refer to God, it is the same God, uh, is it the same God that uh, they are referring to? Why do we need to know God and the truth? They hear God as being the God within their belief system. We may say God to a Muslim and he will think Allah. We may say God to a Jehovah's Witness, and he will think someone distinct from Jesus. Um, Take Islam. It's not triune. It's not personable or knowable. Capricious. There's sudden mood changes when you're talking to a Muslim. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, they are dogmatic in their teaching, in their proof texts. But their God is not triune. They believe Jesus is made. Mormons, God was once a man. Could you imagine? Who became God. Guess what you can be? A little God. How about the Jews? Jewish people. It is the same God, but they do not have the full revelation of God. Roman Catholics, same God. They add so much workspace to their religion, their traditions, who they even pray to. New Age, <laughs> I like what Chris put here. They're just totally out there. <laughs> Good luck with that. Just <laughs> keep bringing it back. Postmodernists, wow. There's nothing absolute. There's no absolute truth. Talk about banging your head in a conversation. You can't get anywhere. Could be, whatever you believe. I'm good with that. So if I flap my arms really fast, can I get to Toronto for the ball game this afternoon? That's what I believe. Um, I was reminded of a deputy sheriff that when they were looking for counterfeit money, they wouldn't study all the different counterfeits that came across their desk. They took a piece of currency and they studied it over and over, the real one, so that when they came across a counterfeit, it popped right up. That's that's not real. That's not it. 
It's the same with the truth of God and who He is and Jesus Christ. Study the truth. Trust in Him. Rely on that and you'll spot the false religion. Almost finished. God has revealed Himself through creation and our conscience. This is important to remember. God is a self-revealing God. Scripture appeals to creation in Acts 17, 22 to 31, Romans 1, 8 to 24, Psalm 19, 1 to 4. Appealing to general revelation only condemns someone. They deny what God clearly shows of himself. Scripture appeals to conscience in Romans 2, 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Let me just end today that you can trust the Bible that we are so blessed to have multiple copies. You can take it to heart. You can keep notes. When your prayers are answered, check them off. Raise your hands. Sing hallelujah. God is real. He's alive. This world is dark. People are lost. They're bound for hell. And we have, we have the plan of salvation revealed to us. We know it. We believe it. Trust in him. Pray. Worship. Stay in the word. And then, when you... Am I supposed to talk to him, Lord? I don't know what to say. I couldn't possibly give him this card. I couldn't possibly open the Bible. Can you flick the next one, Trev? Next one? Next one? One more. Oh, I think you're going backwards, brother. That was good. One more. Just scroll through them. I'm sorry, guys. I just wanted to end with this. <laughs> I'll land this plane. There we go. There's my friend Jennifer. You can go downtown and get into a conversation about the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross, his death, burial, his resurrection. Where is hope? Where is assurance? Where is our future? And sometimes you can show them, right? Let God do the speaking. I love that picture. Look at her. And is he engaged? Let us pray this morning. Our gracious and heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace upon this Sunday school class. I thank you for all of my brothers and sisters that are here with a bird. I, I pray that you would just well up in all of us this day and the coming days before next week to share Christ. Take some tracks from the Welcome Center. No, let me pray to you, Lord. Father, thank you for this time. May the truths of scriptures just resonate in our minds and our heart and our spirit. And Father, that we would be obedient and faithful to hear you this week when you'd like us to approach someone, when you'd like us to speak uh, from your word, when you'd like us to make much of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this time. And uh, Father, we just pray for the service that is about to 
come, that it would be a sweet incense of worship and praise to you. And I just pray for Pastor as he brings the word, Father, that we would have attentive ears. And Lord, the truth would again resonate in our hearts and we would apply this in our daily lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.